Hey, thanks for downloading the podcast. If you want to listen live, all you have to do is download the iHeartRadio app and search for Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Also, if you want to catch this show on video, be sure to check out Zumo TV, channel 719. That's where you can find SportsGrid's Fantasy Sports Network. Enjoy the show, and thanks so much for listening. All right, welcome in. It is another edition of the Early Line here on the grid. It is sportsgrid.com. Welcome those of you joining us on uh, Pluto TV. Pleasure to have you here on this uh, Tuesday morning as we uh, take a look at the uh, world of sports and uh, the headlines, of course, many of which are, uh, they're all trending towards the draft. And the NFL draft uh, is coming up. And uh, we, yeah, absolutely. We continue to hear little uh, tidbits of uh, information, uh, more game planning uh, for Major League Baseball, which is always exciting. And uh, one of the things that um, I was excited, certainly over the last couple of days, is started to get a lot of highlights of uh, the professional Chinese League Baseball, as well as Taiwan. Uh, all back to playing baseball. No stands, uh, no fans, of course, in the stands. But uh, any time that you are actually playing uh, is actually a good thing there, Dane. And I was uh, excited to be able to see those, some home runs. Right. Uh, you know, got to see exactly baseball being played. And, of course, we did even hear another um, very strange idea of maybe even playing games in Japan since they seem to be way ahead of the uh, of the curve there. So... Uh, it was good to at least see some sports. I know I finally, we talked about, I had an opportunity, I taped on Easter the, uh, uh, the, the whole horse tournament we, you know, we talked about, and I had a chance uh, yesterday to finally watch it. And, uh, and it was interesting, too, because trying to avoid that all day yesterday of, of seeing, reading anything about it, and there wasn't as much about it anyway to hide from as I thought there was going to be. But my initial thought of watching that horse, which, by the way, I believe on Thursday will be the final now that we know who advanced. Yes. Um, I give the NBA credit, I really do, for trying to come up with, uh, with anything. It was, it was kind of cool. I don't know what I was thinking. I don't know what you guys were thinking, but I'm thinking gymnasiums. I'm thinking camera crews. I'm, you know, I'm thinking that this was going to be uh, a much more produced kind of thing, and it was anything but. It was seriously looked like cell phone cameras on some right. of them. Uh, it looked like they were all out in the yard, their backyards or their driveways, uh, except, of course, for Mike Conley, who seems to have built a gym in his house. So it's because, you know, all of a sudden he's in this massive gym while everyone else is outside in the sunshine. And I don't know, call me crazy, but a horse should be played outside. I think it's always been played uh, kind of outside, so I did think there was a bit of an unfair advantage there, but it, it was it was choppy. The back and forth was kind of weird, but yeah. listen, it was it was better than nothing. You know what I mean? And well, I know there was a lot of dudes that were on uh, that were watching and going, "Yeah, I could do that." You know, <laughs> I, I could do that. It'll be interesting to see what happens in the final on Thursday, but Thursday night. But I, I mean, listen, all in all, it was better than nothing. And given the circumstances right now, I think, you know, it was maybe the expectation was a little higher because of what we're used to seeing. Right. Uh, but it was it was all right. I mean, it was it was better than nothing. I think that's how I would classify it. Yeah, I agree with you, Joe. Here's the thing. Right. And we talked about this, you know, leading into it. Mm -hmm. We give him credit for giving it a shot. Right. right. Like we we've talked about whether it's sports coming back, you know, with no fans or what have you, that part of the objective here right, is to really just give the public something. Right. We know we're all sheltered in place. We know we're staying at home. We know the sports fan is kind of chomping at the bit. And so instead of playing games from, you know, 2006 on replay, right. the idea of having any kind of actually new content to consume was the objective. And I guess they met that objective, a little bit of fun, trying to see Zach Levine, you know, slap the board, backboard with one hand, do a reverse with the other. Like, cool, I'll give it to you. But at the same time, I think you you start to realize mm -hmm. how important the production value is yes. on real sports, the camera angles, the, the microphones, the replays, the graphics. You start to see how valuable all that stuff is for the viewing experience. I'm with you, Joe. Give them props for giving it a go, but it's yep. not like this was um, A-plus kind of uh, – production value yeah no and, and listen it's still better than watching a bunch of guys play 2k you know right. nba 2k right. so i'm 
I'm good with that. So maybe we can come up with, uh, I, I would like to see some pure shooting drill. Like, give me a three-point contest, that kind of thing. Exactly. And I do think that will go up. And uh, what we ended up learning, too, which was interesting, is that uh, a lot of guys who wanted to play couldn't play because they didn't have access to a gym. So they don't have one at their house. I know, uh, you know, Giannis wanted to play, but, of course, he's like, I don't have a gym. So, And it just blows my mind that they can't find access to a gym somewhere, which, again, I think coincides with that's why we heard that Trainers all over the place in the NBA are saying, guys, we need a month to get these guys right. ramped up. And, and I guess it has a lot to do with that fact that, listen, a lot of these guys don't have uh, a gym uh, to be able to do shooting around, which means they've probably been off for about a month here, Dane, which is, yep. uh, I know they came up with a 25-day plan, um, which back, is what, right. so whatever it is that is going to be the start, and at this particular point, barring a miracle, I don't think the regular season is going to happen or the finish of the regular season. I do think there's just going to be a playoff uh, time frame. But either way, you got to, they're talking about putting on 25 days uh, before you even start playing a game where you got individual workouts, then you get team workouts, and then you start playing. And I couldn't grasp my, like, what are you talking about a month? But if guys like Giannis can't participate in a horse tournament because he's got no gym, um, what the hell are these, you know, there's, that means there's a lot of dudes right now who are probably renting condos and things in their city right. that they play. They just don't have access, which means they haven't been playing basketball for a little while. You know, and here's the thing, Joe, right? Like, can these guys probably get out there and try to make it happen? Absolutely. Right. But they are such uh, valuable commodities, right. for lack of a better term, right, because of the contracts that are in there. And, and if they were to just be dropped in and start playing, we're going to see rolled ankles. We're going to see pulled hamstrings. We're going to see stretched obliques, you know. And so this is what has to happen. And you're yep. talking about a guy like Giannis. You would think Giannis has, A, the money, B, the kind of status to be able to get a private gym open for him. So if Giannis can't do it, think about, you know, the ninth man on the bench or the second-year player who's still on his rookie deal or a guy who's on a 10-day contract, right? There is a difference. And I'm sure these guys are, you know, running three miles a day, yep. lifting weights if they have that in their gym. But we've said this a lot. There is a difference between being in shape and being in game shape, right? So you're going to have to do that with some kind of team practices. And I would think this would be the case, Joe, for every sport. Major League Baseball, the same. Pitchers, you know, have been we're, – we're thinking about – spring training they need to get stretched out mm -hmm. right or else this exact same thing is going to happen in major league baseball i think about the mls these guys in the soccer matches joe they run like nine ten miles in a game you know that's not something that after chilling being sheltered in place for a month eating bonbons yeah. although i guess they're not eating bonbons but for them to just go out there and like flip the switch I don't think it is. I don't think it's feasible we have to give these guys yeah. some level of runway before they get back at it yeah, and it's uh, and it makes sense. I mean, now that we we got an idea of what's going on, because some of these guys are are in a day, you know, a tennis court. Like uh, Chris Paul ended up. By the way, that was the biggest upset over there, right. as um, as Ali Quigley ends up uh, beating him on a free throw bank shot, no less. Uh, of course, is how she ended up winning it. That was the winning shot. You said that was your shot too. The That's exactly <laughs> it, man. Yo, she she called back <laughs> for it. On him, put the pressure on him. That's it, and he rimmed it out there, so he ends up, uh, he loses, so she advances. Chauncey Billups uh, ends up beating Trey Young. The old guy uh, ends up going, and of course, shot, right? Zach the, Levine wasn't even shot. fun. Like, I mean, poor, you know, Paul Pierce, I love the guy, but, you know, Zach Levine is like, you know, he, he's using these uh, air, she's using his athleticism every chance right. he gets. Paul Pierce didn't have a shot, and... Uh, Conley again with the in the gym, no wind, no sun, no out, like nothing. Oh, so, congratulations, Conley advances. But I do applaud them, and I hope maybe we can get. Listen, I hope we get basketball back sooner rather than later. But if we're going to continue to uh, see these types of uh, events, then you know, hopefully, maybe we can get some three-point, uh, you know, contests, those types of things uh, in there. Any skills competition whatsoever, I right. think, would be good. Uh, but hopefully, I mean, hopefully we'll be able to get closer to that beginning of the 25 days, at least the way they have it mapped out, where the individual workouts, then the team, and then the game. So uh, they did say, uh, beyond a shadow of a doubt, of course, Adam Silver, that come May 1st, we'll have a better idea of what they are thinking and how they are thinking it. And it's, it's hard to believe, like, here we are in the 
the 14th of April, and would, that still feels like a million miles away, May 1st, does it not? I mean, we're, okay. we're barely halfway through April here, and I just, I'm thinking May 1st, I'm like, wow, just everything has changed in one week intervals like we've never seen it before, and the data continues to pour in, uh, giving us at least glimmers of uh, hope around the country that we're starting to be on the right side of that curve, which is great news. And, uh, of course, then we've got to hear things like Dak Prescott holding 30-person birthday parties at his house. And we're all like, what the hell are you doing, dude? Like, we're do you know, did we, did we have this conversation? Like, you should know better. You know, and I don't care what a guy does in his own house. But, dude. Seriously, like you're letting pictures get leaked out, TMZ, I, cops are being like, what? Seriously, man, it's like, you know, be a little personal responsibility and personal awareness would be great from some of these guys. Yeah, I would think so. Uh, you know, I would absolutely think so. I, there, was a, there was a story about a week back here, you know, I'm here in the tri-state area. There was a, you know, a random guy in Jersey that was doing like a Pink Floyd concert. Oh, God, an attorney, no less. Oh, you yeah. know, exactly. And so here's the thing, and this is why, Joe, when you say, you know, glass half full, and I agree with you, this idea that like, hey, we're starting to flatten the curve and hey, things are starting to go well. I, I, I agree with you, but the asterisk, the caveat is I would really, I, it's not the right thing to all of a sudden get this false sense of security, like that we're over it or that we're already on the downswing, you know, because these, these numbers, they lag behind, right? Hospitalizations lag behind cases, deaths lag behind. So for, I do, want to say it's not like i don't want people having this false sense of security we mm -hmm. have to continue the physical distancing we have to continue to take this seriously we have to continue to stay home and if dak prescott or others are not taking it seriously think about the uh kind of tone that that sets in that community hey if dak can do it i can do well, it that's and so we got going it's like dude you're a you know you're a quarterback trying to get paid in the nfl so like it or not um you know what you do Kind of matters, even in your own personal home. And I listen, I don't have a problem with it, but it looks like they weren't, nobody was social distancing. You know, Des Bryant's posting pictures from the party. It's like, right. dude, Zeke Elliott's there. I mean, you're talking about a couple of very productive dudes. Who knows who else was there from the team? It's like, now's not the time here, guys. I get it. It's a birthday party. Congratulations. But uh, I'm sure you got a big enough yard there where you can all kind of, you know, separate i see that in neighborhoods all throughout where even you know neighborhoods people are sitting in their own driveways right across you know keeping the social distancing doing their thing and uh you know everyone's okay you know time to go inside and everybody they move on with their day but uh you know when you're a national football league quarterback and you're making headlines for being a moron it's like i, I you're gonna give this guy what 30 million dollars a year now and these and these are the decisions he's making yeah. I have no hope. I, I got no hope. And to be quite honest, Joe, like, I'm jealous. I'm over here in a yes. two-bedroom apartment in, in, in Washington Heights yep. in New York City where I ain't got a backyard. Yes. I can't do all of that. You know, you see me sometimes putting videos on social media. I'm, like, hanging out on my fire escape. That's correct. That's the most, like, fresh air I can possibly get yep. and still be socially distanced. I want to ask you a question, though. I know we only got a few minutes. You're talking about, like, the NBA and 25 days, and we mm -hmm. talk about how these other sports need to get it going. You know, it's been intriguing to me that I haven't heard Jack Joe about the NHL. Mm -mm. And, and the NHL, when I think about like what it takes to get back into game shape and the facilities that are required, sure, Mike Conley can shoot it around in his backyard yeah. or in his gym. These, these hockey players, right, they need access to the facilities, yep. you know? It's not like you got, maybe some players do, but it's not like they got a damn Olympic skating rink in the backyard, you know? So for me, the NHL is, I think, even a more complicated matter because I think it would take longer to get back into game shape. And yep. unlike most of these other sports, we are talking about two countries mm. that may have to get on the same page in terms of policy. I know there's Toronto and the NBA and in Major League Baseball as well, but the NHL has you know, a number of franchises north of the border, so that would take a level of collaboration yep. that um, may not, you know, that's a little bit harder than with some of these other sports. It's interesting, too, because, uh, and hockey's unique from that standpoint where we, we're not really sure exactly other than the NHL um, saying that they are intent on finishing the season first before they get into the playoffs, uh, they've been receiving offers of neutral site locations from really? cities all around the country here. Um, you're talking about 
uh, Grand Forks, uh, North Dakota, Manchester, New Hampshire, right. um, Saskatchewan. I mean, so there are a number of places going, hey, we're good. When you're ready to do this, we can offer our, um, you know, our city to yeah, you. Rick. So, yeah. yeah so. I, uh, by all means, I mean, their, their season stopped, I believe, early March, too, right around March 12th. Um, yeah, so I... And their playoffs are around the same schedule as the NBA. That's correct. The season starts, and yeah. next year starts, right? So we've talked about the NBA and right. their timelines and their drop-dead dates and right. how the league business and compromise next season. The NHL is on a very similar schedule, yep. but I think you raise a good point. There's got to be provinces in Canada yep. that are mostly rural that have ice skating rinks for days. And if you ain't got to have fans in the building, that could be interesting. But I just do think it'll take a lot of uh, time to get into hockey game shape. You know yes, what I mean? No, that it will. But, um, yeah, and it'll be interesting to see how much access a lot of these guys even have to, uh, to ice and the rinks and anything <laughs> along those lines right now. They do have 189 regular season games left to play in the league. So, okay. you know, they were a little bit farther along than what the NBA was. Okay. So... It's not, um, they can get it done within a certain time frame, but they're right now beginning to put a, uh, a list of those cities uh, together, but they are getting a lot of offers, which I find fascinating. And of course, a lot of those in the Northeast, New Hampshire, that kind of right. thing, uh, Canada, you know, up in the Dakotas and those right. types of things where uh, obviously the pandemic hasn't been uh, as widespread, but uh, certainly it's good to know that. And even the NHL is like, listen, we haven't even, begun to put a list together here um, just yet, but it does seem like the consensus is May 1st, and we'll all have a better idea of what we're looking at and who we're looking at. And that's NHL, of course, NBA. Uh, Major League Baseball has been out in the forefront of leaking, uh, leaking their ideas to, right. like we've never seen before, trying to give us a little, uh, a little indicating, seeing which way to push, and obviously, uh, the, the whole Florida, Arizona thing. Then we heard over the weekend, uh, maybe Japan, who, and when you got Taiwan and China is already back to playing baseball, professional baseball leagues, which was great to see. Uh, it does kind of give us a little bit of hope in saying, all right, we don't know what the future holds, but at least we know in other parts of the world, uh, they are beginning to, uh, to push forward, which I think is a uh, good sign. Sooner rather than later, we'll be able to get our sports back. But we got to get ready for a draft. The NFL draft is uh, just next week here, and a lot to cover, a lot of misdirection, a lot of rumors, innuendos, all that kind of good stuff. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Welcome back in. It is the early line here on The Grid, sportsgrid.com. He's Dane Martinez. I'm Joe Ranieri, and uh, appreciate you stopping by, hanging out with us as we continue to push a little bit closer to the 2020 NFL draft. And while we're pushing along, Dane, of course, we have our New York Jets, our favorite team, uh, you and I there. Um, And part of me, uh, this is usually the time of year where we get the most hyped up uh, as Jet fans, and uh, because the draft usually means we're getting a pick in the top of the draft where we're <laughs> ultimately hoping that is going to be the difference maker. Like, this is going to be the year, and uh, there are uh, obviously year two for Adam Gase and those types of things, and the Jets aren't alone. There's a lot of teams now that have kind of hit the reset button in the NFL. Carolina, new coach, new quarterback. Uh, Washington, new coach, uh, we'll see, possibly a new quarterback, uh, the Jets, Tom Brady on a different team. There's a lot of nuance going on in the NFL as far as changes go and persona goes and impressions go, and it really does start with the draft. And uh, not just us, but a lot of teams are going. I know I can tell you here in, uh, in Miami that uh, Dolphin fans have been, it was a rough year last year. And they had uh, resigned themselves to believing they were going to get the number one pick. Uh, but then when they rattled off some wins there, right. and uh, hats off to them. I, yeah, what they did was quite amazing, including beating the Patriots there at the end. It's um, magic. They still are in the top five. And this pick means a lot because it really does. They got three. They, they sold everybody, Dane. They got three picks in the first round. They really control what's happening in the first round. 
And, you know, dare I say, this is why this draft is so important for a lot of teams, because it's the foundation here. Teams like Miami who blew it up, right, and got, got, it, got a bunch of stuff returned. Jacksonville's doing that. The Raiders did it a couple of years ago. Um, whether you're in year one of this or year two or three, like the Raiders, you got it. This is how you build championships, right? So the, this draft coming up for a lot of franchises is either the beginning or, you know, this has got to be a continuation of, I thought Mayock and Gruden did a good job last year. I think they got to do another job. They got to figure out the quarterback thing, but they're not in, they're too good to be able to go up in the draft and get something, but they still got to build it in that round one with a couple of draft picks. This is a huge draft across the board for a lot of teams. And I do love the core of players that are coming out here because even in the first round alone, there is a lot of players here that can really, really help some teams kind of get over that next hump. Yeah, and Joe, listen, we talk about trust the process, Mm -hmm. right, the NBA. And that's what it is. We've talked about it a lot. The NBA has come to the NFL in a lot of ways, whether it's kind of like salary cap casualty deals. Remember the Brock Osweiler deal a few years ago, which was purely to get money Mm -hmm. off the books for a draft pick. And now this idea of tanking has come to the NFL as well. You talk about the Miami Dolphins. They have been very active in free agency. They have about 14 picks. And one of the things we've always said, Joe, is, okay, it's nice to talk about the first round. And you're right. There is some talent there that can be game changers. But when they are stocking up on picks like this, a new regime down there in Miami or a new regime in Las Vegas or a new regime in certain places, they want to get their guys, right, and build from the ground up. So, you know, when you have 14 draft picks, whether they make 14 or they only make 11 of them, you know, you are really filling out a lot of key players on your roster, not even the studs and the names you're going to know in fantasy football necessarily, but, you know, your special teams, your backup weak side linebacker, your right guard, you know, things of that nature. Great teams leverage the draft to fill in their roster. The other reason, Joe, and you and I know this is because these kids, are cheaper options, right? So right. it frees up kind of the, the uh, bigger pieces of the pie to go out in the free agency market and get the what I like to call the cherry on top when you're at that part. But all these NFL teams need to know where they are in the cycle. Are they trying to make one last hurrah with a veteran quarterback like yep. the New Orleans Saints or the Green Bay Packers? Are they, are they you know, resetting the decks, you know, and starting to accumulate Or do they think the time is now to, like, you know, add fuel to the fire and help an ascending quarterback? I think we see that in places like Buffalo with the trade for Stephon Diggs. Yeah, and, you know, when you look at a lot of these, a lot of the teams here, Dane, it's funny uh, the the, where they are in the process. And we're talking, of course, teams that even teams, you know, New England is is in a very different position than they've been over the last couple of years. And... They have some options at the end of round one, and I think their decision uh, in round one in, uh, in next Thursday is going to tell us a lot about the direction Bill Belichick wants to go. Arizona has to continue. They've made some good free agency moves, right? Yeah. They, they got better. Now, of course, they got to keep that ball rolling here uh, in the draft. So this is really important for teams like Arizona, Denver, who thinks they now have a quarterback. Well, listen, you went out, you got Melvin Gordon, right? You got Philip Lindsay. Now you got to go out and start getting some, uh, you still got Von Miller. You got rid of Chris Harris. This is a big draft, that next step in the process. And Kansas City, listen, they got a pick too, and Kansas City's your champion. And even them, they've got, they've got to figure out some things here. This draft, of course, for Andy Reid, you want to continue to stay on top. You got to continue to nail the draft and continue to keep, Uh, that roster in a position where they can continue, especially in that division where we know the Chargers, new quarterback, right, new era. Um, What are they going to do in this draft? And a team that's got talent on both sides of the ball, ridiculous talent on both sides of the ball, do they go and get their quarterback of the future, or do they add yet another piece to both sides of that uh, that line, both offense and defense, that are – you know, Tyrod Taylor's not an old guy. If they tru- We don't know. I mean, if they truly believe in Tyrod Taylor as to be that, then, I mean, you start going down the list, the Dolphins, the Jets, the, uh, even Buffalo, although I do think Buffalo is getting to the point. They're in that 
overrated category now, Dane. Um, I, I hate to say it. I, I do think that they've done a great job. And then they're in a perfect example of not winning free agency, although Diggs helps. Um, right. But they, the draft they had last year was great. The free agency under the radar, right. value picks, bolstering the offensive line. They've done a great job. But man, oh man, I just, with everybody loving Buffalo, it's one of those things where I'm like, oh, I mean, I'm looking yesterday at some places, win totals at nine and a half. I'm like, mm. oh. Yeah. But draft, very important here for them too as well because a team like Buffalo, they have to keep getting better. If they slide this year and only win seven games, right? It, you're going the wrong way. So it's uh, a lot is on the line. And I think, of course, even with, Big Ben, what does Pittsburgh do, Dane, for the quarterback of the future? Do they get it in this draft? Do they go – does Pittsburgh make a move to say, you know what, give me love, right? Give me Jordan Love. Right. Give me, um, you know, give me, give, me, give me one of these guys that could actually uh, supplant him. Or do they go out and get um, our boy there, Jameis Winston? Right. Now, here's the thing, and it's interesting that you mentioned those two teams because Buffalo – does not have a first-round pick. Right. They traded number 22 away for Stephon Diggs. Which is Pittsburgh. why the rest is... Right. Absolutely. Pittsburgh does not have a first-round pick. Yep. They traded it away to get Minka Fitzpatrick last year. You know, So it's interesting. I also think, Joe, when you talk about kind of where in the cycle, where in the process mm -hmm. they are, it's always tied to the quarterback. You know what I mean, right? Like some teams, you mentioned Big Ben. I talked Drew Brees, Aaron Rodgers. You already have your quarterback, and they're kind of on the last few years, so it's like, right. oh, the last hurrah. Maybe some of these other teams, you talked about a Kyler Murray, a Baker Mayfield, a Sam Darnold, these young ascending quarterbacks, right. even a Daniel Jones, for example. It's no, it's no surprise that those teams have been linked to right. offensive linemen, for example, right? You have to protect the young quarterback. And when you talk about where they are, it's really about where the quarterback is. And if you have one that you believe in or not, right? Like, those are the two main questions. You tell me any football team in the NFL, I'll tell you, do you have a quarterback that can lead you places? And, uh, and how old or young is he? You know, and the answer to those two questions, I think, determine your priorities, I guess, vis-a-vis -vis where the rest of the division is. So I do think it's always important yep. to see where their quarterback is in the process. You even mentioned Kansas City, right? Yep. They, they, they're defending champions. Their offense is stacked. They brought most of the people back. Sammy Watkins restructured. They signed DeAndre Washington to kind of be, you know, Mahomes' friend. So they need to address the other side of the ball. I've seen Grant Delpit, the safety from LSU, connected to them at the very end of the first round. Wouldn't yep. that be interesting? Tyron Matthew, the honey badger, came in there last year really helping yep. that. Oh, yeah, safety from LSU. Hmm, interesting, yeah. you know, how they may look to build teams, but I think it's all tied to where the quarterback is in their career, Joe. They, um, and yes, and listen, they don't grow on trees, so some you just have to make do with what you got. I mean, it's that simple, sure. especially if you're not in a position um, to, to go and get one, certainly at, at the top. But I also think there's a significant portion of teams that, and it's a copycat league. And I think that what happened with Jacksonville last year and Gardner Minshew being a six-round pick, right, right, a draft pick, who goes and gets a six-round pick, right, and we've certainly seen enough. I think there are going to be quarterbacks, Dane, that are taken in this draft yeah. in that third, fourth, fifth, sixth round. I think uh, the kid McDonald out of Hawaii sure. uh, is another one that had a really good career. Hawaii quarterbacks haven't exactly fared very well uh, over, but... I think you're going to see those teams, you know, like the Pittsburghs and those kinds of things, other teams that maybe are trying. They'll take a flyer. They'll take a shot with quarterbacks like that uh, from Eason. Yeah. You know, they're going to go. And the reason why that quarterback prop of four and a half is still four and a half in the first round is because I think everybody has taken – to me, I still don't know that Jordan Love is a guaranteed um, – First rounder. The fact that his number is 19 and a half as far as where he goes, the over-under, in the draft in the first round is very strange to me. And I, and I feel like there are some people that don't feel, and I know for a fact there are a lot of teams that don't feel he's a first-round talent. And right. if you're going to pick a guy in the first round, I don't care if it's in 23 it's going to do, you are basically sending a message to the rest of the team and everybody else that, you know, 
I don't know that he has that kind of clout where he's a guy that you're going to, A, what are you going to do, sit him a year and, and waste your first-round right. draft pick? I mean, so there, everybody always said he was a second-round talent. So that's a question mark to me. But a guy like Eason who's got an arm that is, you know, can throw it 80 yards on the fly, who's had success everywhere he went, is he a guy that somebody might come up with in the late round? Let's say Jordan Love is gone. Right, so now with four, and then let's say all of a sudden somebody wants to trade up like they did, like the Ravens did for Lamar, right, in that final spot there, the final couple of spots, and say, hey, instead of waiting for round two where he's probably not going to be here uh, mm-hmm. because somebody else has got, why don't I go up and get him at 30, 31, 32? Yeah. Then all of a sudden you got five quarterbacks, Dane, just like that. And it's the, maybe the hardest prop for me to wrap my head around because so many people think it's easy, but I'm not sold on Jordan Love going in the first round, and I'm not sold that necessarily somebody might come up Oklahoma. there and, uh, and do a quarterback swap there in the late, uh, the late aspects of the first yep. round because they're not going to be in a position in the second round to go get a guy that they want. So they'll take the flyer in the late, early first round. Yeah, I mean, and, and we've seen that before. You mentioned Lamar Jackson. I believe the same thing happened with Teddy Bridgewater. Yes, a yep, few years exactly. Back yep, yep. Traded, uh, Minnesota, yep. I guess, traded back. And here's part of it, okay? It's the way the draft is organized, Joe. You got the first round, right? And then you got to wait a day for the beginning of the second round. And what happens is every team gets back on the phone, okay? And so if there is someone, whether it's Eason, Fromm, Hurts, Love, who's sitting there all day long, What's going to happen, and you and you think that early in the second round you're still going to get them, no, no, no. Because in those 24 hours, any other team that's quarterback needy is going to kind of do their you know, risk-benefit analysis and see if it's prudent to try to trade up and snag that guy. That's why you frequently see at the back end of the first round someone doing it. We talk about right now the Dolphins and the Chargers mm-hmm. in a kind of arms race or cold war at the 5-6 spot. What happens at the end of the first round is everyone's kind of in a cold war thinking like, oh, we could trade up with Washington for their second round pick or for Detroit with their second round pick. And, and that, that opens up the potential for you to get scooped, yep. right? So people say, oh, let me do it when I still can on day one of the draft. As it relates to Jordan Love, Joe, I'm hearing various reports also. And, you know, the, it actually scares me, Joe. Because one of the tools that I hear about him is that he's got such great arm strength, right? He can make every throw. And, and the thing is, sometimes those best pure like arms and throwers, that's not the only thing you have to evaluate going right. into the NFL, right? It's processing the defense. It's reading the playbook. And all those guys with great arm talent sometimes don't translate. And for me, a damning stat, Joe, I mean, he played at you know, Utah State. Different level of competition, right. okay? And as a junior, Joe, he threw 17 interceptions. Mm -hmm. And that is against, you know, a lower level of competition. So he may have the best arm in the world. But some of those other things about how he sees the field and decision-making, which is even more important at the next level, it's not like I have concerns necessarily. But the fact that he was turning the ball over at a sub, you know, not a Power 5 conference does give me cause for pause. But there's always one team that'll fall in love with the arm, Joe. There's a lot of teams, too, come that second and third. And I, and I, I do think all, everyone's going to get drafted. All the quarterbacks that, you know, Jalen Hurts is going to get yeah. his name called. Uh, McDonald in a wide is going to get his name called. There's going to be quarterbacks all over the place, I think, that are gone in the later rounds. Um, and it's just value, right? Value and perception over there. Um, is it worth taking a flyer in the third round on a guy? And when you look at the teams, like, there is a number of teams, Dane, like I'll, Detroit. Yep. At some point, you got to start prepping for life after Matt Stafford. It ain't going to be That's now, right. so come in that fourth, fifth, sixth round, right? Does Detroit go quarterback? Yeah. Do they, you know, and then Absolutely. do you go with a guy, you know, that said, hey, listen, you can sit behind Matt Stafford for a couple of years. You know what I mean? And uh, there are worse places to be in the world and, and have that going on. So there are a bunch of teams um, where it, there's still a question mark they got to start doing something because you don't want to be the Chargers where, Dane, all of a sudden, ah, we'll take a quarterback next year. We'll ta- and then all right. of a sudden, you know what, it's, it's over, and it's like, yeah, no. So um, I do think there is going to be um, some questions around that, and we'll talk more about those props, the quarterback props, the wide receiver props, the defensive props. There's a lot of that. 
of course, schools, how many Alabama players, Georgia right. players, LSU players. We'll cover all of that, and we'll do that coming up here as we continue to move along on the early line. It is The Grid, sportsgrid.com. We'll be right back. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. All right, welcome back in here. The early line, it is the grid, SportsGrid.com. Joe Ranieri alongside Dane Martinez here as we continue to prep and get ourselves ready for what is going to be a draft of all drafts. Uh, one of the most unique drafts uh, that we have ever seen due to the fact that uh, Roger Goodell will in, uh, indeed be in the basement on his couch there uh, making the announcements. This should be very interesting to say the least. And uh, we've talked here a little bit about how the process for some of these teams, a lot of teams in the NFL right now who are coming to different points in their franchise yeah. lives and some have had to completely blow up and restart some are already a couple of years into a rebuild and others are trying to figure out do i blow it up or do i just continue to try to restock the shelves here and hope for the best and you know one of the things and one of the hardest props that dane and i were talking about had to be with the quarterbacks that number is four and a half in the first round and the problem is we know it's a crapshoot with quarterbacks, right? And some of the best quarterbacks, and we always hear about these, right? That right. Brady was a sixth-round pick, right? Yep. That there's really no rhyme or reason. Jordan Love is a quarterback that we keep hearing about. Everybody had him as a second-round talent. Um, but now, of course, his number is 19.5 in the yep. draft. So if you say he's a first-round talent, that's four. And then the question is, does anybody want to move up to get one of the, the other, the Jalen Hurts, the uh, Jacob Eason's, uh, the Fromm's of the world in this draft? Will somebody move up just to get their quarterback? And Dane had asked the question uh, just before the uh, last segment there, before the break, about, okay, well, how many starting quarterbacks in the NFL are actual first-rounders? Because that'll give us a good idea whether a team might be more willing to wait uh, and take a right. shot in a flyer with somebody in a second, third, fourth, fifth round, so on and so forth. Gardner Minshew comes to mind. I mean, let's let's face it, picking a guy in the sixth round that became your starting quarterback now, that's people notice that. Franchises right. noted that. It's a copy league. Uh, but how many, Dane, exactly, through your counting of these NFL teams, how many are exactly starting quarterbacks that, be, that came from the first round, whether it be their team or another team? Right. So remember, there's 32 teams in the league right now. And the one caveat, I went team by team, okay? And I'll tell you the breakdown, but the one caveat is I am personally now at least considering Cincinnati as being okay. quarterback by a first-round pick because we think his name will be Joe Burrow. I'm doing the same right. kind of thing right now for Miami and for the Chargers as well because we think if this prop bet of four and a half right in the first round is going to even right. come close right. to hitting. Yep. We think that, you know, we've talked about Tua, we've talked about Herbert, we've right. talked about Burrow. So I'm giving Cincy, Miami, and the Chargers in this exercise a first-round quarterback. Joe, that would mean 23 of the 32 teams are currently or projected, in my opinion, our opinion, to be led That's by first-round quarterbacks. Now, some of them, though, you know, kind of the jury is still out on mm -hmm. them. You know, you have to acknowledge that when you talk about the Jets or right. the Browns, you know, these have... Or even, you know, Washington, for example, Arizona, for example, they are led by first-round quarterbacks, even though the jury may still be out on them. Joe, there are nine teams that are currently led by um, quarterbacks who are not selected in the first round. But when you dig a little bit deeper, right? pretty much all of them were in the second or the third round, Joe. Really? Are, yeah, yeah. And that's when you get to, like, Dak Prescott was in the third uh, Kirk Cousins in Minnesota, um, Russell Wilson in Seattle, um, even Jimmy Garoppolo, you know, and quite frankly, I'm counting Jared Stidham right. as the New England Patriots quarterback, right? Most of them are second and third. There are only two quarterbacks, Joe, that are projected right now to start for their team that were drafted after the third 
round. And they're kind of both famous for one reason or another. One of them is down in Jacksonville. You have right. mentioned Minshew Mania. And, Joe, you know, the other one is uh, the greatest of all time down there in Tampa. Which is just mind-blowing, dude, when you think about that. I mean, that's a ridiculous stat. So it looks like, and we all know how important quarterbacks are in the NFL, and there's only 32 of them. About three-quarters of them, Joe, right now, yep. uh, you know, our franchises are being led by, yes, first-round picks. So can it happen? Yes, there are second- and third-round right. picks. But when you talk about an Eason, a Fromm, or Hurts, right, like, you know, only a, only a quarter of the teams are ultimately led by that archetype of quarterback. It is possible, but it's not common, Joe. No, it's not. And that's um, – and that – again, it goes to speak to the franchises in the NFL and how much weight they put in taking a stab at a quarterback. And also, I think it speaks volumes to the opportunity because you've got to have opportunity to be able to start, Right. So quarterbacks that are taken in the first round, and that's kind of even looking at it this year with these quarterbacks, very few teams I think are going to be willing to invest a first-round pick in a draft on a quarterback that they're not willing to play um, or for yeah. whatever reason can't play. Because, again, time is money. General managers aren't given, you know, 10 years to prove themselves. So it's right. what have you done for me lately? And that's, again, the problem with Tua. You know, you got Chris Greer here in Miami, who is a Bill Parcells disciple. Um, you know, he was also part of the crew with Miami when he was coming up that made that decision, Breeze versus Dante Culpepper. Right. Like, he was part of the, uh, the scouting crew there uh, when they made that decision there, good old Jimmy Johnson and company. Uh, he was, I mean, basically, that's what you've got now. You've got a situation where... All right, you have to go out and get a quarterback, right? You need a franchise quarterback. But at the same time, the best, the best trait of any quarterback is his availability yes. in order to be able to make it. Like, you got to be able to – you can't even give a guy a shot who can't stay on the field. So, to me, that's, that's, the, that's the thing about two and a lot of these other quarterbacks, including Jordan Love. I yep. take him with a top-20 pick, Dane. Hmm. How am well, I sitting his ass on the bench? Like, how am I doing that? I, and that's why I think a lot of scouts had him as a second-round talent because second round, park him, go ahead, don't worry about it, let it marinate in there, and, and in a year or two we'll see what you have. I don't know how you do it in a first round. Drew Locke last year, was he not a first-round pick for Denver? Well, he became a second-round pick, didn't he? He became he, a second-round pick, exactly. exactly. And, that, and that's part of what I was going to yep. say here. You know, I, I, I think a few things. One, remember, back in the day, you used to draft quarterbacks early on and then park their ass on the bench for a year or two to learn. That doesn't happen much anymore. You know, uh, anyone from, you know, Philip Rivers, who saw Breeze ahead of him, to Aaron Rodgers, who, Aaron Rodgers, who saw Brett Favre ahead of him. Yep. You know, the idea of Eli Manning had to wait. And Kurt Warner passed the baton yep. midseason. That was much more... That was much more... Uh, accepted. I think part of what happened though, Joe, and they've sort of fixed this, is we mentioned like the Sam Bradford crazy rookie contracts right. that are part of it. Yep. Now, however, these are all kind of slotted. And so when you talk about the general manager's reputation, yeah, if it's a first round pick, yep. you got to get them out there, right? Because yep. the head coach, the GM, and the, and the rookie quarterback are all on separate time frames. That's why I thought it was so important that um, Shanahan and Lynch in San Francisco got matching deals together so that they knew whether they were playing the short game, the long game, and how to build that team. Yep. But I'll also say, though, Joe, we do see some second or third round quarterbacks. When I did this, yep. you know, there's, there's a good six, seven uh, starting quarterbacks in this league who were second or third round picks. So what it means to me, and there are teams who do this, Joe, you know, you mentioned throwing something up against the wall and seeing if it sticks. If you don't have a Pro Bowl uh, quarterback or you have a, an aging veteran, I literally, Joe, I would spend my third-round pick on a quarterback every single year. Right. You know, every single year. And if I get someone that I can develop and grow, great. If not, you're not spending that first-round draft pick capital. You're not slotting them into that level of contract. Every single year, I'd take a shot and see if he winds up being something you can develop. And to be quite honest, Joe, think about the Pittsburgh Steelers, mm -hmm. okay? They have done this over the last few years, whether it was Joshua Dobbs. Remember, they drafted out of Tennessee. They take a stab with Mason Rudolph. 
you know, well, whether they plan out or not, you take that chance and eventually maybe you have someone to develop. The Patriots have done this with Jacoby Brissett, with Jimmy Garoppolo. They develop them. If it works, great. If not, then maybe they have an asset. The Jets tried to do this, Joe, mm -hmm. but instead they came up with Bryce Petty, A.J. McCarron, Geno Smith, and Christian Hackenberg. So it didn't work, you know, but the idea to always take a stab at it in like the third round could work out. You may get a Dak Prescott. You may get a Russell Wilson. You may get a Kirk Cousins out right. of the deal. Yeah, and that's basically what we're looking at here in this draft. You you do have, you they obviously have some first, first, yeah, you got some first round talent, but if you're talking about five quarterbacks going in the first round here, guys, then there is a stab beyond a stab here, and mostly because those teams that are willing to take them in the second half of that, you know, round one, they're doing it because they're afraid they're not going to be able to get that opportunity. Or you're going to see the other, the flip side of this is without the ability of teams to be able to bring these guys in, right? Maybe you're going to see a more cautious approach to some of these guys that aren't named Tua, Herbert, right? Or Burrow, or maybe the Eastons, the Fromms, the McDonald's, the Jalen Hurts of the world. Maybe teams are going to say, you know what? Second, third round, I can live with it. I don't have enough data right now, or I'm not comfortable enough to move up and get it. So, you know, I keep looking at this four-and-a-half prop on the quarterbacks, and I keep leaning towards the under on it, Dane, because I just, I do think there's, even if we get to four, right, yeah. even if Jordan Love goes, there is a big part of me that feels that second wave of quarterbacks, and that's what we would need, one of those second-tier quarterbacks for a team yeah. to be loving them so much, they're willing to move up late and get them so they don't have to battle in round two. I just don't know this year of all years is the year that we're going to see general managers do that without having, and the combine's one thing, but not having them, the ability to, to meet with them over this last month leading up to it, I think we're going to see more cautious approach with those guys so I only count four. At best, I count four. And then there's even part of me, Dane, that goes, don't be surprised if, because to me, there's other safer options that can be impact players on the defense, right. wide receiver, than getting a quarterback. And maybe, listen, if he falls to number 23 or 25 with the, with the Patriots there, maybe Bill goes, you know what? I'm taking the kid here. And, and he's the only one who could take a first-round quarterback in the 20s and park his ass on the bench and nobody would question it. Right. I don't know how many other general managers have the clout or the ability to be able to do that. Yeah, I think that's a good point. Specifically for the Patriots, mm. though, remember, it sounds like they like Jared Sidham. And remember, he yeah, was a round pick absolutely. out of Auburn. And listen, I've been doing some of these draft videos here for our network, and I'm looking at the Patriots, okay? They also, Joe, they lost Kyle Van Noy yes, in the offseason. They lost Jamie Collins in the offseason. You know, so to your point, like, hey, maybe there's a defensive guy. There's some linebackers who may be available at that level. Kenneth Murray from Oklahoma comes to mind. The pass register, the pass rusher from Penn State, Gross Matos, comes to mind. There's a linebacker from Wisconsin, Nick Baum, who comes to mind, who could be tools on that defense. Joe, remember, that defense, what, didn't give up an offensive touchdown in, like, the first month and a half of the season? Right. So maybe they need to augment that side of the ball. And then you talk about, you know, second, third round quarterbacks, whether it's, you know, Stanley from Iowa, whether it's the kid from Hawaii, you mentioned, I'm thinking about, you know, uh, Shea Patterson, who was much kind of uh, his reputation coming into Michigan, mm -hmm. Jake Luton from Ohio State, I mean, Oregon State, there's a number of other options. And I will say this, the last thing I'll say, Joe, there's these prop bets, right, on mm -hmm. these quarterbacks, their draft selection um, our friends over at FanDuel, there has been a bunch of movement, Joe, on one Jake Fromm. And mm. I want to ask you what you think about this, okay? So the Jordan Love is still 19 and a half. He, by many accounts, would be the fourth pick, right? Mm. The fourth quarterback. We know about Burrow, Tua, Herbert. Many people think Love would be the fourth. Many people acknowledge that Jalen Hurts is really the wild card in all this. So, Joe, Eason is now at 47 and a half, but Jake Fromm has fallen in his prop bet market, okay? He's now all the way down to 62 and a half. They're saying hanging the same number on Fromm as they are in Jalen Hurts. Do you think, I mean, 62 and a half is basically the end of the second round, Joe, right? So what do you think with this context? Would there be a team that takes that shot on a guy like Jake Fromm in the second round, based on what you're saying? It's, 
The problem with Fromm, and this, they see there's competing theories here, but the problem with yeah. Fromm is he didn't have a good combine. Um, and not from the standpoint is that he didn't, he just pales in comparison to arm strength to Eason, to Love. These guys are throwing bombs. That's not Fromm's game. That's not. And that's okay because, you know, who cares? He can throw at 90 yards if he can't hit the guy. Who cares, right? right? So, um, but again, on the optics of it is, is Fromm is not in the same ballpark as those other guys when it arm certainly strength. comes to arm strength. But can you be accurate? Can you deliver it above the shoulders? He yep. also is only one. He's one of three Georgia players, one of three, that got invited to be part of the first round virtual draft. Virtual draft. So, yeah. you know, you got Swift, you got Thomas, the lineman, and now all of a sudden, Jacob Fromm was invited to be <clears throat> part of the virtual draft from Georgia. So when I look at that, I'm going, why would yeah. you invite a guy that is slated for the end of round two, possibly round three? <laughs> why are you inviting him to be a part of the draft? Yeah. Kid won a ton of games, got national championship experience, That's got playoff experience. So he doesn't have a huge arm. Who cares? But obviously right. the NFL to invite him? Yep. What is that? To, and, and do you read that much into it? I find it fascinating to tell you the truth. I do, especially because I we were just talking about with Love or with Eason. To mm -hmm. be quite honest, arm strength is not necessarily the thing I'm looking at, okay? Ryan Leak, Jeff George, among others, right? They could all throw the ball through a wall. But the other thing I saw, Joe, so was Josh that— Josh Allen throws the ball 100 yards. So I think— Correct me if I'm wrong. I think they're inviting something like 50 players to participate in the virtual yep. 58. Okay, so that puts him as that puts Fromm as one of the top 58. Um, and when you put the additional value on the quarterback position, right? I bet he won't be the last guy in the virtual draft room left uh, twiddling his thumbs. So when I see that that has moved 62 and a half, yep. and I think about teams that could be QB needy, right, but don't want to spend the capital in the first round. I would not be surprised to see Fromm go in the second round and beat his prop bet number of 62 and a half. Well, we got, uh, we got a lot of other positions, a lot of other players invited. How does it go out? Uh, there's only 32 picks in the first round. Uh, we'll dive uh, way more into the other positions as the draft is uh, just a week away. We'll do that coming up next hour here on the early line, sportsgrid.com. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com.